Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. You know what I mean? It just doesn't compute, you know? The law is the law. Peter, this is in our hands. I mean, it really is. People were there. We will continue to raise our voices. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. I had one eye on that uh, penalty shootout last night. I had one eye on Wimbledon yesterday afternoon I'm very worried about the crowds particularly at the Euros I think we're headed for big trouble with the crowds at the Euros and interestingly enough and of course all that was going on as the meeting was being held to where the Neffet information was being shared and interestingly enough our friend John Campbell, a man of no agenda and always important to stress that a man of no agenda was appearing on Deutsche Welle News at the time, I was worried about the crowds at the Euros. Well, well, so was he. Because of this Delta variant's transmissibility, I must say the Euros are really quite a big gamble that we're taking at the moment. I'll let you hear more of that a little bit later on. This is a programme where we have always brought it to you straight and we have never pretended to be populist or given you the information sugared or watered down because we like to please you. Sometimes what we have to bring you of a morning is not pleasant. That's one of these mornings, or these are one of those mornings, rather. All of the papers have it. Dire Delta warning, says the Irish Independent, as jab rollout overhauled and reopening to stall. Neffet warning of thousands of cases a day if the variant were to take hold. The Star says uh, Holohan wants pubs and restaurants to stay closed. He warns of a death peak despite Jab's rollout. Hooligan does not want pubs and restaurants to stay closed. He is saying the safest thing to do is stay closed. He's not saying he wants them to stay closed. But sure, that's what they put on the paper. Uh, the Irish Daily Mirror, front pages barred. Top docs urge government to delay reopening or risk thousands of daily Delta cases. Again, country's top doctors said open the pubs at your peril. The Irish Daily Mail, hopes of summer freedom dashed, is their front page. And I said it before and I'll say it again. The Irish Daily Mail's medical coverage and scientific coverage of this, of this pandemic has been exceptional. 
they've been days, sometimes weeks ahead of stuff. And they have a very sobering and worrying front page this morning. Uh, the Irish Sun then uh, talks of jabs for the boys and girls. Uh, where they're going to... Nyack have now recommended giving the AstraZeneca and the Johnson & Johnson to younger people. It's one of the things that I brought up with the Irish Sun's political correspondent, Adam Higgins, when I spoke to him a short time before we came on air. Adam, the COVID committee met very late into the night. The report from Neffet, grim, is how they're describing it this morning. Have you seen it by any chance? I haven't seen the advice, but I have spoken to a few people who have. And the the proposals and the modelling that Netflix presented to the government yesterday was what one minister described as a, a complete shock. So on their on their best case scenario, they're saying that because of this Delta variant, there's nothing we can do about it. It's coming now. There's nothing we can really do to stop it. And they said the best case scenario, you're looking at 81,000 cases across the summer with about 165 deaths. That's the best case. At the worst case scenario, they said this could get as bad as up to 700,000 cases across July, August and September with up to 2,000 deaths. So that's the stuff that really shocked the government was was those sort of numbers. And on the back of those concerns, then, we know that Neffet do not want to see the indoor dining and indoor gatherings starting again next month, which I know will come as a big blow to uh, any pub owners or restaurant owners or cafe owners who are listening in here. Now, we've learned in the past, we learned before Christmas, do not ignore Neffet. You ignore them at your peril, regardless of the fact that you might not like what they're saying. So the mood in Cabinet, do you think, uh, this morning, Adam, will it be to go with them or do you think there'll be a bit of table banging going on? There will be a bit of noise made from some ministers, but at the end of the day, I think the government were badly scared by what happened at Christmas when we we opened up and we saw that massive wave that really scared a lot of people in January. So I can't see the government going against Neffet here. As you say, ignore them at your peril. So... What, what Neffet did propose last night, which was interesting and came as a bit of a surprise to government because they didn't expect this, Neffet said that they should develop a system where those who are fully vaccinated have their two shots or one shot in the case of Johnson & Johnson. They should be allowed to uh, take part in indoor dining in restaurants and pubs. So that's something that the government were open to, but is really a difficult thing to work on and whether that's legally sound to uh, on a civil rights point of view to allow some people into a restaurant and some people not into a restaurant on the basis of whether they've taken a vaccine is something that the government will have to look into now. I know already restaurant owners are, are raising concerns that this is completely unworkable that they can't ask people about their personal medical health on the way into an establishment so that's going to be something that will be discussed in the Cabinet today um, but from, from the signs that we're seeing out of, out of the Cabinet subcommittee last it's something they're open to trying. Now, we will have another announcement this evening, an unscheduled announcement from Michal Martin. He'll come down them steps. What's he going to say, Adam, 19th of July or further out? Well, the 19th of July is something that um, for international travel still looks likely. So it does look like, I know a lot of um, pub owners and restaurant owners are raising this concern that, you know, in the middle of July, you're going to see... Um, People in Ireland will be able to jump on a plane and fly off to Spain and have a pub inside, or have a pint inside a pub in Spain or Portugal, and yet they can't go up the road. And that does look like something that's a reality that may end up happening here because of the advice from Neffet last night. Now, what we're going to see, I think, is the reopening of international travel. We'll get the thumbs up. Um, the 
increase of from 25 to 50 for weddings is going to get the thumbs up. But then when specifically when it comes to people uh, dining and gathering indoors, so I know there was supposed to be an increase of indoor uh, gatherings, I think from 50 to 100, that's going to get the, that's put on ice for now anyway. And um, that's the sort of situation we're looking at later on today. Also, today's announcement will come earlier than expected. Usually, we see um, the teacher coming down those stairs at six. I'm told cabinet meeting at nine, and we're likely to get an announcement on this uh, by lunchtime. Okay. Now, obviously, the government has to be cognizant of everything. It has to take Neffet into account. It has to take Nyack into account. It also is going to have to deal with some very, very angry business lobby groups. It 100% will, and already you're seeing some of you, uh, if you go on social media today, already you're seeing some uh, really negative reactions from uh, cafe owners and restaurant owners and businesses about this. And, and who can blame them, really? I mean, it's an, a really difficult situation for them. I mean, there's some pubs here in Dublin who haven't been open since March 2020 at all because they don't have an outdoor area. And those pubs now hoping that thought this may have been the final hurdle. They look around and everybody else is reopening. People are getting vaccinated, almost half the country vaccinated at, at this point, and yet they still can't reopen. And I think it's going to be a difficult situation as well when it comes to allowing vaccinated people indoors how does that work for staff because you can't really expect you know a 25 year old uh, hospitality worker to go back to work with no vaccine when the people that are allowed into the into the establishment can only come in because they're vaccinated so how will that work is something that would be a fascinating question and a really difficult hurdle for the government to jump will they have anything to say about that do you think like Nyack are now recommending that AstraZeneca and Johnson and Johnson be given to the under 40s people have been saying for a couple of weeks look get it into the young young people get them vaccinated there was a, only out myself last weekend I was looking around all the young people serving me and thinking none of these people are vaccinated this is dangerous f- for them is the government looking at any kind of a program like that to enable people to go back safely to work well, the one ray of light from, from yesterday's series of meetings was that NIAC met, the, the National Immunisation Advisory Committee met yesterday and provided the government with the advice that really they were looking for, which is that AstraZeneca and Johnson & Johnson can be used for uh, people, anybody over 18. Originally, there was restrictions around age there, but they've opened that up to anybody over 18. So what you're going to see now over the next few weeks is uh, the, the vaccination campaign kicking up a notch again and we're going to see people um, over the age of 18 able to opt in. So what the situation, as I understand it, will be that someone in their 20s can say, look, I'll take any of them, please, and, and they, they'll get the vaccine uh, quickly. And if they don't want to take AstraZeneca or Johnson Johnson, due to whatever concerns they have, then they can wait and get a Pfizer. That will be an option for them. So it will be an opt-in sort of the situation. But I don't think there's any uh, plan at the moment for to say specifically target hospitality workers with that sort of thing, I think it will be still come down through these age brackets that, that we're used to now. Adam, finally, governments are always, even though they say they're not, but they are always cognizant of the next opinion poll. You have a very important opinion poll uh, on the 8th of July there in Dublin in a by-election. This decision that they have to announce this evening is going to hit them in the polls, isn't it? It really is, PJ, and it's a great question, and you're, you're right to point out that there, there's a very important poll coming up in Dublin Bay South, and if you look at the polling up to now, you'll see Fina Gales, uh, James 
Gagan as the, the lead candidate in that. And I wonder now, on the back of this, will there be some sort of public backlash that that will kind of knock his uh, rating? Because I know from an article that we're due to run in the next couple of days, uh, I was out speaking to locals in, in Dublin Bay South, and I know some people did raise the situation that I'm not going to vote for a, a government party because I think they're being too soft with Nessett. That did come up on the doorsteps when I was knocking around. So I think it'll be a very difficult by-election. By-elections are always very difficult for the government, but particularly for Fina Gale, who, who really consider this home and dry, this seat. This is something that they really need to hold. I mean, if they can't hold a seat in Ranelagh, where can they hold a seat for Fina Gale? So this... That Dublin based sales by election coming on July 8th will be a fascinating watch. All right, Adam, we'll talk again, I have no doubt. Thank you very much, as always, for being with us. Thanks a million, PJ. Appreciate it. That's Adam Higgins, political correspondent of the Irish Sun. There is very little good news out there this morning for us, and unfortunately, our job is to bring it to you untainted uh, and not to pretend it's anything other than what it is. Now, on Twitter, we have a listener who says, Two minutes in, I had to turn it off. Apologies. I'm delighted to see crowds at the Euros and at Wimbledon. I'm glad to see countries getting back to normality and not doom and gloom because living like this is torture. Let us go to that before I go to a break because Dr. John Campbell, who you've heard on this program many times, uh, one million subscribers to his regular videos on YouTube, videos without an agenda that just analyse the data, just analyse the facts from around the world. Dr. John was on Deutsche Welle TV, I think last evening, and he was being asked about uh, the Delta variant. Because if you look at the numbers in the UK, and this is a very significant figure from the UK from yesterday, I'll just pull it out here before I go to the, the piece of tape, but they had 22,860 something cases yesterday. Across the EU yesterday, there were 7,887 cases. So nearly three times as many cases in the UK as was across the entire EU. And bear in mind that they've got a better vaccination progress than the rest of us. And that should be a stark reality to us all. But Dr. John was on Deutsche Welle TV and he was talking about the Delta variant and how it became to be so problematic. Many people travelling from India to the UK brought the virus to the UK. Now, there was many thousands of people coming from India to the UK before we restricted travel, so we had multiple seeding events. So the virus was able to get a a foothold in the UK. From the UK, it spread on to Portugal, for example, as a result of, largely as a result of UK holidaymakers, it is now spreading throughout Europe. About 95% of the cases in the UK are now the Delta variant. What seems to happen is uh, people get infected with a smaller inoculum, a smaller number of viruses it needed to get infected, and they then produce a very high viral load, which means they shed more of the virus, so we've got greatly increased transmission. About 64% greater transmission in households than the previous Alpha UK Kent variant and of course that was about 40% more transmissible than the original wild type variant. We're at the height of the summer travel season. Some countries have reopened to tourists under certain conditions and we have thousands of people travelling to the Euro 2020 football venues around Europe. I wonder if another spike in cases is inevitable. 
with the previous variant, even with the uh, the Alpha variant, the UK variant, that wouldn't have been the case because it was not as transmissible. And you might remember with the protests in the United States last year, we were worried about outdoor transmission, but that never happened. But this one is so much more transmissible now. Outdoor spread is a possibility. And indeed, we know that there's five people in Denmark who've attended a Euro match, and five of those people have become uh, actually positive for the Delta variant. And the Danish epidemiologists are pretty sure they contracted it at the football match. Mm. So previous variants, I wouldn't be worried, but because of this Delta variant's transmissibility, I must say the Euros are really quite a big gamble that we're taking at the moment. That's Dr. John, and if he's worried, then I'm worried, and people have been saying for weeks, looking at the crowds at the Euros, isn't it great to see everybody getting back to normal? And it would be if we were ready for it. But the evidence is now there that we're not. Portugal is in serious trouble because, as John said in that report on Deutsche Welle, the cases were transferred from Britain to Portugal by holidaymakers. Now Portugal is in serious trouble, two of its major cities in serious trouble. And of course it spreads in and spreads out and from Portugal it'll go over to Spain and it'll get across Europe. And we are into a third lash of this across Europe. Yes, the vaccines will help, but there's not enough people vaccinated yet for it to be as much help as they could be. 1850-715-996, that is why Neffet warned last night that we need to hold back on opening up fully. Hold back or regret it if we don't. 1850 715 Turn it up and take it easy with the best music mix for your Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Welcome along to the programme. Lovely to be with you on a Sunday morning. Oldies and Irish with Derry O'Callaghan. Sundays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. With Hidden Hearing, tuning you in so you don't miss a thing. And we've been doing it for over 30 years. Hiddenhearing.ie. Corks 96 FM. I would like to know particularly which side you stand upon this morning. Do we do what Neffet is advising? Or should we just go for it? They're not going to go for it, by the way. The government is not going to just go for it. They, they ran the risk before Christmas. They didn't take Neffet's advice and look at the mess that we ended up in. They said before Christmas, and let's remind ourselves, Neffet said you can either open up the pubs for a couple of weeks or you can allow people to meet indoors for a couple of weeks. You can't do both. What did we do? We did both. And look where we ended up in January. You 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 reject them at your peril. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Now, Professor Liam Fanning, Professor of Immunovirology at UCC. Liam, we were talking last week and the week before, and it looked much more optimistic than it does now. Are you as worried as, say, uh, Dr. Houlihan? Good morning, Liam. Good morning, PJ. I suppose um, I suppose I'm taken aback by the the numbers uh, given. You know, seven hundred thousand potential infections between now and the end of September, with two thousand one hundred odd. Uh, souls in uh, who have passed away. Uh, I, that was the uh, you know worst, worst case, case scenario. scenario. Best we do case nothing. scenario was eighty one thousand individuals infected, um, and uh, one hundred and sixty five uh, deaths as a result of the Delta, primarily the Delta virus infection. Um, 
the numbers are quite stark and quite surprising. Um, and I suppose my question is really, you know, if they've been sitting on this data for a while, you know, why haven't that? Why hasn't this data been released? Um, and so that we could have, a, rather than this kind of last minute, eleventh hour discussion as to uh, what we're going to do. Because as you know, PJ, there has been no preparation to allow the uh, the public kind of use, we'll say, um, their their vaccine cards or an antigen card, uh, um, you know, uh, to get access to places which would have made it easy, as we've seen in Europe. Do you know what I mean? So um, I suppose the government have been caught out um, in many respects over the past, but in particular with this one, there's been no investment in infrastructure to allow those individuals who have been vaccinated or are antigen non-reactive uh, or PCR negative uh, socialised um, in this country. Mm-hmm. The, the policy seems to have been non-pharmaceutical interventions such as the social distancing and so on and the vaccine and nothing else. And I think we've the, 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 that trajectory has shown to have uh, a considerable weakness by the advice given uh, last night and this morning. Um, I think we're, we're in for a very rocky road with respect to how they implement um, what has been given. Um, you know, I've long called for a vaccine dividend, but I've also long called for that the uh, 18, uh, 16 or other 235, depending on the vaccine type, uh, should have been, you know, we should have had a, a two-pronged pincer attack uh, on this pandemic in, in Ireland, and we haven't. And I think this is, again, one of the consequences of uh, what we're seeing, because most of the infections are in the uh, 19 to 24-year-old group at yes, the moment. Yes. And had we taken a brave step and vaccinated some of the younger individuals um, early in the pandemic, we could have actually, you know, reduced the numbers that we have on a daily basis um, earlier. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, we're caught in this situation now where we have an 11th hour, at, you know, release of vaccines for those under 40s. But yet we're not going to open up the portal to everybody at the same time. We're still going to do an age base that looks like, you know, 37, 6, 5, 4, all the way down step by step. Um, which is not a constable ethical um, or the right approach at this stage. Um, I have some serious concerns about the kind of, you know, mental health, well-being, the social ability of individuals yeah. who are in those categories. We're going to have to wait weeks, PJ. Well, well, well Liam, I, I was out the other night with my son and we were sitting in, in an open air place having our, having our dinner and I just remarked to myself watching all the lovely, helpful, cheer, cheerful young people going around serving us. None of these people are vaccinated. Nobody is in more danger here than they are. Correct, absolutely. Um, and, uh, you know, we saw what happened. You mentioned at the beginning of the, the uh, article uh, the, the consequences of opening up society um, and the, the number of deaths that undoubtedly um, occurred as a result of um, the opening of society. Um, but there again, we didn't use what was a probably, you know, uh, the, in, in, you know, maybe not perfect as it was the antigen test at the time. But we have, you know, you know, we could have done that then. We need to do that now. Do you know what I mean? We need to have you move away from the non-pharmaceutical intervention and the vaccine only options. We need to have supplementary support uh, and that being antigen testing, you know, with regard to kind of allowing people to kind of socialise. Um, this business of depending on the two, really, I don't think it's tenable anymore. And I think the government have been cut short because of it. Yeah. And the modelling, we did, we should surely, and it's a good point you make, we should surely have had some notice that this modelling was coming. Absolutely. And uh, we, we need independent sort of, you know, kind of a verification that the modelling um, is correct. Because, you know, models are models. And, you know, I mean, you know, they haven't always been kind of accurate enough. Like, I mean, they were forecasting quite a an amount of death um, between, we'll say, December and, and March. But yet our non-pharmaceutical interventions, 
you know, cut down on the amount of deaths that actually happened as a result of the Alpha variant that uh, was responsible for most of the infections in January and February. Yeah. So, you know, we, we need, you know, I mean, it's a bit, it's, it's a bit, it's, to me, it seems a bit managed, a bit staged uh, with respect to the delivery of this information at the 11th hour when in the chatter on media and everything over the last two weeks has, you know, what's coming, what's coming? Are we going to be allowed indoor dining? Are we not going to be allowed indoor dining? What's going to be the terms and conditions of indoor dining? And remember the other thing too, PJ, about indoor dining is, you know, indoor dining needs to be indoor with a kind of a slight feel of outdoors. It doesn't, you know, you do need this kind of appropriate air circulation and not, you know, you can't have it overpacked. Mm. Um, yeah, and the windows and doors open, yeah. Yeah, windows and doors open, appropriate ventilation and, you know, number of air changes per hour, you know, maybe of the order of 10 or 20 air changes per hour. And I know, you know, this, this, this concept of the vaccine dividend uh, almost sets us up as a divided society um, with respect to who has access to the vaccine be- primarily because of their age. Mm. Um, and uh, that is going to be difficult to implement. Yeah, Nefet uh, seems to think now at this stage that if we start, for, a, for example, our little card that we have when we have our, our vaccine, that almost I could go in and it could present my card at the entrance to my local pub and say I'd like to sit inside thank you very much and that that would be okay that's not going to work is it? Look we're an adept society at bending and being when it comes to rules and uh, you know without putting too fine a point on it <laughs> there's going to be quite a market in the provision of very similar cards uh, for use for purposes of getting people into buildings and, and uh, restaurants where they shouldn't we all know that and is there a way to do it, though, properly? Well, you know, look, they do it in Europe. You know, you kind of get your electronic certification that you've been vaccinated and then you present that QR code. And, you know, obviously that means that the um, the business that you're going into has to have the app or lots yeah. of them are free. They did that in Israel, they, actually. They did that in Israel yeah, months absolutely. ago. Yeah, absolutely. They did, you know. So, um, look, you know, we have been, you know, normally we kind of present ourselves as being outward looking. You know, we are the world leaders in this. But God, we've become so inward looking. You know, it's almost Ireland of the squinting windows. Like, you know, we're looking around to see what the rest of Europe is doing. And uh, we'll say, well, we'll have a little bit of that, but we won't go near the rest of the stuff because that, that, that just sounds too risky altogether. We, you know, for long in the pandemic, we've become, as a, as a well, Neffet-led government-delivered uh, risk-adverse society. And in our daily lives, we, you know, we run risks via driving, you know, even eating food. You know, if you're going out to a restaurant and you're allergic to peanuts, you know, you're taking, doing your risk assessment. You know, you know, uh, mm. you know is the number of deaths per annum of two or three hundred, you know, more along the lines of, we'll say, what we have for those individuals who are killed in vehicle accidents. Yeah. Um, is that something that we're willing to accept? Are, are you like, suggesting I mean, that we should open up as planned, Liam? Well, what I'm suggesting is that uh, we, we... Well, OK, let, let, let's make a clear line here. Those that are vaccinated, absolutely, you know, should be allowed free and full movement, um, both indoors and outdoors. Um, uh, for those that are not, you know, antigen tests play a role in actually, you know, providing information as to who's infectious and not. And the whole goal here is to kind of cut down on the number of infections, PJ, while allowing people to be socialised. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And also, you know, remember, most of the young people who are going to be infected are going to have a rather mild, non-eventful course of this infection. But the caveat here is if you have large, large numbers of uh, young people getting infected, you will have a small number. The, the fatality rate in those under 40s um, is a, 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 to about 16. If you average out, it's about 0.2% of those infected. Mm. Um, so it's a small number of a large number, a small number, small percentage of a large number infected ends up in a large number in hospital. But, you know, we really need to see where this 700,000 figure comes. You know, I mean, that's, I mean, does it, does it take into any account those individuals who've been vaccinated? Remember, we're, we're 40 plus double vaccinated. We're 60 
2 or 3% plus single vaccinated. And by the time we come to the 19th of July, those individuals who are 60 to 69 will have received their second AstraZeneca. Now, you know my opinion, they should have actually probably been offered an RNA vaccine. Isn't there a real problem, Liam, that we have, with the best will in the world, we have left a huge cohort of the most vulnerable without proper protection coming into this Delta variant? And that's a real problem that we have to solve. We, we do, and, and I suppose, look, the solution to that is, you know, keep the vaccinated and the unvaccinated currently in the same restrictions that we have now until the 19th of July. I mean, we'll have the ironic situation that on the 19th of July, you and your family will be able to fly to Italy and eat outdoors or indoors. Um, but you won't, mightn't be able to eat indoors uh, in mm. wherever your favourite uh, place to eat is. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. um, we can't have that. That's not a sustainable situation as a society. Um, you know, we 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 need to have a vaccine given, but we need. I mean, I've, you know, I haven't heard one politician really advocating for breaking the age-related uh, step-by-step wise uh, vaccine uh, delivery and give it to those individuals who have been in February and March and April. Remember, the median age was 35, 37 for weeks and weeks and weeks, and now it's moved down into the 20s. You know, um, we have lost an opportunity. I think when when the inquiry comes as to how we ran this pandemic as a government and as a country, I think there will be uh, certain holes that were obvious enough mm. that we could have actually protected lives and actually allowed us open. We cannot continue this indefinite kind of slow uh, opening up of we just can't because remember the colleges are opening up in September that is coming like a bullet train at us now with respect to potential infections if those individuals are not vaccinated and the mixed heterologous challenge offers a great opportunity to use those vaccines mm. that are as Leo told us are going to, or our, um, um, Minister Bradford told us are going out to date use them and give individuals then the second Pfizer vaccine um, I am not quite sure what the schedules are like in August and September for Pfizer um, but, uh, you know, I think this this business of, um, you know, stepwise progression to this, it will, we're going to end up in more trouble than not if we don't. And I presume the modelling is such that most of those infections are going to be in the, we'll say, the under-24s. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, let's face it, they've long been denied what, what they would naturally do. <clears throat> and they've been denied to protect others. And those others have been largely protected. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a matter of, even if we needed 24-7, vaccination schedules, make the vaccines uh, places where you can get them far more accessible. You know, lots of students and lots of young people don't necessarily have cars to get to their vaccine place. You know, lots of the, you know, in Cork, you know, there are two of them. Uh, well, there are a couple, but, you know, there's one in Parky Cueve as well. Like, I mean, if you, if you don't have a car, it's tricky enough to get there. If you live down um, in Castletown Bear, um, you know, the nearest vaccination centre could be kind of kilty. So, you know, or a GP, if the GP is doing it, you know, so we need to have far more Lastly, Liam, and briefly, because I know you have a, a meeting to prepare for, so I respect that. I think you're a bit concerned, are you, about what Nyack has said about closing the gap between AstraZeneca 1 and AstraZeneca 2 to four weeks. We would be outliers in that. No one else has done that. Am I right? You are. Well, look, we seem to be kind of getting used to being outliers. <clears throat> but, um, yes, I, w- I would have some concerns because the, e- the EMA, the European Medicines Agency, you know, uh, indicated that the gap between the first and second should be 56 days for the reasons uh, uh, of the data that was generated during the clinical trial. And we, we know now that it, when it was even stretched to 12 weeks, that that actually led to further improvement in immunity uh, against COVID-19 infections with the second shot. And my concern would be that because you're going to give AstraZeneca followed by AstraZeneca, 
that you're you're going to lead us kind of somewhat exposed to. Uh, you know, we'd probably be protected from hospitalisation largely and, and serious consequences, but you mightn't be as well protected as picking up this infection and passing it on. And that's my concern, that the immunity would be such that you would be able to manage the disease and not go into hospital, but that it wouldn't prevent you from actually acquiring this infection and perhaps transmitting it on. This is why the heterologous challenge or the mixed challenge mm. actually gives you that coverage. Do, do you know if NIAC are actually considering that? Um, I, they have to be. I, I don't know if they're considering but they have to be. I mean, you know, uh, other academics have been on your station and others, you know, advocating for this mixed heterologous challenge. But the clinical data support that mm. you get a very robust immunity um, following this heterologous challenge. They have to be, PJ. And, um, you know, I mean, they're an organisation that has, has delivered their uh, advice privately to NEFIT and then onwards to government. Um, but it seems to have been a rather slow um, process of, of changing of, uh, we'll say, delivery schedules and, and how this can be used. Um, I would implore, like, if I could, you know, uh, Professor Karina Butler, uh, well-renowned, world-renowned, well-respected individual leading NIAC, you know, to look at these, uh, you know, um, heterologous uh, vaccine challenges and why can't we have them? I mean, you know, we're last in class for so many things, you know, um, and we've seen, you know, there's about nine countries at this stage around the globe, um, you know, using even, even Angela Merkel got AstraZeneca first and got Pfizer vaccine second. If that isn't an advertisement for, you know, uh, a leading politician putting herself out there to say this is an acceptable way for me as an individual to be immune uh, or have as much immunity as I can possibly get with the vaccines that are available. I think that's a great advertisement for this the acceptability of heterologous challenges internationally. All right, I'll leave it there with you. Once again, thank you for being with us on the Opinion Line on Cork's 96. Professor Liam Fanning, Professor of Immunovirology at UCC. 1850 He doesn't put a tooth in it. Let's... Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM. With Dairy Made Premium Spread. 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork Cream. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96 FM. In the afternoon when you're at work or in the car and you're just wishing that you could get home and watch Love Island, I'll be on your radio bringing you the best tunes, the odd celebrity guest passing through. The album probably has 16 songs on it and I've maybe made like 250 of which probably 175 are complete dog shit. Ed, you can't say that. I'm also giving you the chance to win amazing prizes. Hey! <laughs> now back to work. Okay, Simon Murdoch, midday to 4 p.m. on Cork's 96 FM. Just to let you know, we're not sticking with this for the whole morning. It is important, very important, but after 10, we're talking about different things. Like, for example, how do you protect your pets from summer hazards? And have you ever been told, ah, grow up, will you? How do you respond to that? I'll be talking to someone who reckons we should all be told, ah, grow up, will you? Now and again. 1850-715-996. Bunches of comments that I will, I promise, get to. But let me go to Mike Ryan, who's the Cork rep of the Restaurants Association and, of course, Corn Store and Cockbull. Mike, good morning. Morning, PJ. How are you? Uh, more to the point, my friend. How are you? You must be bitterly disappointed this morning. And a lot of mixed emotions, to be honest, PJ. Um, we're just kind of confused of, of what's what's happening because, like, you know, it's all lastminute.com. We've been told, you know, we were opening on the 5th. 
we're saying there's no then then there's an open letter from Neffet that'll say that you know when are we actually opening? We don't know. I, no one actually has a clear answer, you know. And it's just deeply frustrating and annoying for all the thousands of businesses and families that are just on hold again. Um, and and we're not. It just we've been told all along. You know, the World Health Organization says, you know, you go into lockdown to aid your track and trace or so you can catch up or to stop uh, a major outbreak. But none, none of these things are happening. It's a lot of what ifs. Mm. Uh, and the modelling, like it's been like it's been widely reported already, the modelling hasn't been independently uh, verified. Yeah. Where is it coming from? You know, does it take into account vaccinated, unvaccinated? Is, 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 you know, we just don't know where where are the metrics. That's that's all. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Trying yeah. trying try to run a business in the middle of this, and you, I have to acknowledge it. It, it it's got to be a head melt trying to run a business in the middle of it. As regards the, the vaccination and the idea that people who are fully vaccinated could come inside, like, could you manage that, say, below at Cockbull or at Corn Store? But how, what's, how do we do it? Like, these cards, are always the out, card, out. You, know? you know, yeah, but so parents come in and the kids can't, you know, the people, the person that's going to be checking the card probably isn't vaccinated. Yeah. You, where, you know, like, there has to be a, at some stage there has to be the common sense has to kick in here and you know I was watching so uh, on one last night as one of the commentators were saying that you know if we go down the route we are looking at opening up right now it's something in the region of numbers of people that would be you know same numbers as care fatalities like look there are going to be deaths but no matter what you do in life there's a risk so do we stop driving you know what I mean? At what stage do we say we have to move on? You know, if we have our vulnerable vaccinated, you know, do we not get on planes anymore? Because there is a risk of a plane crashing. You know, what? where do we stop? You know, like, there has to be a bit of personal choice here. You know, and I do, like, obviously vaccinations have to be ramped up even more than they are. The problem with personal responsibility, Mike, unfortunately, and I'm a great believer in it myself, it's a philosophy uh, a hold to personal responsibility. Some people just don't have it. But, you know, does everyone... Does the, uh, everyone have to suffer at this stage? Like, I think people have suffered enough. Like, mental, like dealing, like, I suppose, like, who we employ will be a, a younger, like, there'll be a younger demographic. Yeah. You know, we have, we have all age groups, but a younger demographic... And I can tell you, you can see a different mind, a, a different mindset in people now. There, there's mental strains on people. Like I'm dealing with issues with people in work, in work that I thought I'd never have to face before. Yeah. And I'm not going to go into much more than that about it. But no, no, no. it's 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 stuff that I thought I would. I've normally had to deal with injuries, physical injuries in work. Uh, but what I have to deal with sometimes now has it's a different different scenario completely. And you know you can see the strains on people, everyone, everyone. So like, what at what stage do we? Which what it outweighs the other? That's 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 the question. And I suppose we're into like the politics here is it's all reactive politics. Yeah, you know. Are, are you worried as well that and this is go- mentioned 
in the stuff we were reading last night and it's mentioned in Neffet's report, although I must say I haven't actually seen it yet myself. That Look, we've got this problem now with the Delta variant spreading and that puts the summer at risk. And they're also suggesting that if things go belly up again, that the schools returning might be at risk. Like, are you worried that this is just the latest postponement? Yeah. You know, like we like at the end of the day, we we just feel like this is going to go. We don't know where it stops. No one knows where it really stops. But the thing is, I suppose a lot of people refer back to, "Oh, look what happened at Christmas." Yes. But when, what when, happened then, at Christmas? They ignored. There was then, thirty thousand people came in from yeah, the UK. True. Uh, at Christmas. True. And flooded into the country. True. You but know, also, it, what happened at Christmas, Mike, was that the Neffet said you can do A or B but not both. We did both. But we did we did both during the summer last year as well. There was also an influx of seeding through the whole country. That was the problem. We're in a different scenario now. Yeah. And, and you see, I think we have to look at this balance, that, that if we have controls over what, uh, the tra- travel at the moment, you know, we're not going to have that influx of seeding. We have a handle on what's happening in the country somewhat. Mm. You know, so... The thing is, there was a lot of other events that happened, but there seems to be an awful lot laid at the foot feet of the restaurants and pub sector. Mm-hmm. Like everyone is saying, there's no, there won't be indoor dining for the summer, but there is indoor dining. There has been indoor dining in the hotels. In, you know, so like we like. Is there guess, resentment there, Mike, between the is? two? Is there resentment no, between the hotels and? The, yeah. Listen, the, the resentment comes on the policies of how one can deem one area to be safe and the other not. And I think that that it's everyone should be you will like full, like those areas are full at the moment. If you spread the load around, there's less your your people are operating in areas that were never designed at this at this stage to be catering for full houses, people eating mm. morning, noon and evening in the same place. Mm. Because that was never a model of a hotel or a B&B. It was people stayed, some stayed on, some went out. Now everyone's being contained in those areas. Yeah. It's, not a, it's not a resentment to I'm happy that, that there's some part of the sector open. Trust me, I am. I just think that there should be, everyone should be on a level playing field here. What is, like, why is there such a fear on the hospitality sector when... In the 19th, every like 200 people can get onto an airplane and have a meal somewhere else. Like, is this like are they saying now that the the 19th is is in danger for people? That people have holidays booked, they're leaving the country. They are now going to be coming back into the country. Our biggest fear is there's going to be seeding episodes happening, and we're still outdoors, and then we won't get to open even for the winter. How do we operate then? Like, what's the you know? Are we totally sacrificing the industry? A lot of the questions have to be asked. Like, and then the Taoiseach was saying last night, "Well, the money is running out." So, for to sustain these, to sustain the businesses, that that something's going to have to be done to pull it back. So when you know, know, there is the argument, though, Mike, that the, the the economic cost of getting it wrong is higher than the economic cost of getting it right in the long term. No one wants to go 
and be the person that says, sure, look, open up and then see what happens. Like, I suppose what keeps getting thrown back to the government's decisions is what happened in December. But I suppose you have to look at what is the... There's an untold economic cost, BJ, like, you know what mm. I mean? You know, there's, there's people that don't get to go... Like, obviously, hospitals are under pressure. And they've had other issues as well with, with, with the, the, the hacking and everything else. And they're trying to catch up. I know that there's a trying to relieve, and there's then there's the the cohort of people that haven't got their second shot of AstraZeneca, you know. So there's a lot of people out there that are still vulnerable. Yes. Like, I'm not. I just think that the decisions that are being made are very reactive. Like I don't want to be the person that says, "Yeah, let's open up and someone may die." That's not anything. No, who wants that? No one. Mm. But I suppose there has because to be there is a there is a view out there, Mike, and I, one I disagree with. There is a view out there that certain numbers of deaths are inevitable, so we just drive on. Well, you see, it's a very loaded question, but like, what, where is, what happens to the people that are sitting at home, livelihoods, people that are home, you know, don't have, they don't, they don't know what their future holds for them. Yeah. You know, like the mental health cost, what's going to happen in the next few years, the, 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 the kids that are in the, caught up like doing leaving certs or planning or in fifth year looking towards leaving certs. At some stage, we're going to have to, like, we're not living with the virus. The virus is controlling us. When do we take control of our lives and our destiny? One would hope and presume that it's when we have the full vaccination programme completed and unfortunately we're nowhere near that now. Mike, listen, I know how worried you are and I'm really, really sorry for all you guys um, today. I, I know you must be so much looking forward to getting back at it next week. So our thoughts are with you all. Mike Ryan, um, the Cork rep uh, for the Restaurants Association from Corn Store and Cockbull. And I do, I genuinely feel so sorry for anyone who was hoping to open a pub or open a restaurant indoors next Monday. And Liam Fanning is correct. Like, those figures haven't been independently audited. But at the same time, we have ignored, or the government rather, has ignored Neffet at its peril in the past. So taking everything into account, what do you do? The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Do you know if it was possible to trap the weather? Like tie it down with ropes and chains, throw a net over it or something. You could run out there now and do it and hold on to it until the weekend. Because the weekend, I'm sorry to say, is not looking good at all. Now that could all change. It can change very quickly these days. The weekend not looking great at all. But the next couple of days, I mean, that is Scorchio out there by this afternoon. Same tomorrow, same on Thursday. Must make sure I have a, a good bag of charcoal. I'll have to get the old barbecue going one of these evenings. But the weekend not looking too great at all, unfortunately. I'll keep you posted on it as we get closer. Might even talk to one of our weather 
colleagues. 1857-15996. A bundle of comments on various elements of the COVID story to do. I do them in a while. I'm going to do them right now. I'm going to take a little break for it for maybe 15, 20 minutes and we'll do them them right now. We're trying to divide them into different sections. There's people talking about the benefits of being vaccinated, like what are they? Am I going to get any benefits from being vaccinated? There are people who completely disagree with Neffet. There are completely people who completely agree with Neffet. There's one man who reckons we should be looking at the safety of the vaccine themselves. I'll get to them all in a while, but, but not right now. I mentioned the weather and yesterday afternoon when the weather warmed up, I happened to pop out into the garden and my poor little doggy was looking at me from the deck uh, and he looked up as if as if to say, can I have a drink, please? And I'd completely forgotten his water bowl. I always keep a water bowl for the dogs on the deck out the back, a big one. Their water bowl was empty. He said, can I have a drink, please? He'd still drink it if I let him. So... I'm glad that we're going to talk to Michael Ryan from the Abbeville Veterinary Hospital for a little while about looking after our pets in the summertime because, you know, he was grand. But we need to take great care of our doggies and our cats over the next, particularly next couple of very hot days, both at home and when we're out with them out running because they can get sunstroke, they can get heat stroke, and they do get very thirsty very quickly. Mike, good morning to you. Hello, PJ. How are you? Good. When I saw his little face looking up at me yesterday, I saw, oh my God, you poor bugger. I had, <laughs> But they do suffer from thirst a lot in this weather. Uh, absolutely, yeah. Like I suppose you were mentioning there that the weather isn't going to be great at the weekend, whereas the next few days are scorching. Um, like, like ourselves, you know, dogs and cats find it difficult with the changes, you know? Mm. Like... And I suppose we get accustomed to having cool, wet weather. And then once the, once you get a day like hopefully tomorrow, where which is scorching, we don't make accommodation for that. And it can, it's like the, I suppose it's like the white paddy out in Tenerife going out the first day and getting red. You know, it's it's the same thing with our pets. You know, they they don't have preparation done for done for the hot days. Mm. So you know, can they get sunburned? They can, um, which is. I suppose, like ourselves, and I suppose when you mention sunburn, any pale, pale dog with a short coat, um, cats with white ears and white noses, they can, they can get um, tumours, skin cancer from overexposure to sun, um, white dogs as well. So I suppose, you know, when it comes to sun and heat, we, we certainly would advise grooming your dog, make sure that, you know, this... The, the dog that's with the long coat, that's, you know, it's, it's cut, but there is a danger to cutting it too short that you're exposing um, skin which may not have been, been exposed before, you know. So yeah. you have to be careful with that. So always provide shade for your dog, um, whether, it be, whether it be a little, I don't know, a little hedge or something like that that they can, they can hide from the sun mm. or... You might have the odd dog who is like that Paddy in Tenerife who literally bams himself out in the sun and can get a little bit of heat stroke, you know. So just be aware of that as well, yeah, you know. Yeah, they will always find, I think, particularly cats as well, will look for the shady corner of the garden. I, I, my, my own particular cat, little black cat, and they, he, she will always get in under the table. Absolutely. Like, they love look, it in there. Look, cats are, cats are very smart, like, you know. They're, they're probably, look... <laughs> 
I might say something controversial, but they're probably smarter than dogs in that regard. Oh, you know? I'll, I'll give you that one with bells on. I absolutely you know. With you. Yeah. So they, they are smarter than that, you know. But but um, look, the heat is. I can think of numerous cases that have come into me in summertime. Like I just one example, you know. We, we vaccinated the dog one time and the owner uh, just took the dog for a walk after vaccination. It was a, quite a hot day, but literally 20 minutes into the walk, the dog collapsed with heat stroke, you know, because obviously mm. the vaccine put the dog under pressure. So it's, you know, if, I suppose if you do take your dog for a vaccine in, in a hot day or take your dog to the vet in a hot day where the dog has been stressed, it might be no harm just taking, take, take, taking a while before taking your dog for a walk afterwards as well. Because we, we, we should think of ourselves too. Absolutely, In, yeah. in, in our, uh, our vaccinations, our own temperatures became quite difficult to control Absolutely. for 12 or 24 hours after our vaccination. That's a very good point. I hadn't thought... I, I, I heard recently, Mick, one thing you should never do is put ice in your pet's water. Is that true? Um, I don't necessarily... I, don't, I wouldn't necessarily agree with that. The, the, the trouble is, is I suppose, if, if pets aren't accustomed to dealing with really cold drinks, you know, they, they mightn't drink as, as readily. Um, like, there, there's no harm in, in put, let's say, putting ice in, a, in cold water and letting it cool the water down. But I probably wouldn't have blocks of ice in there, you know? Mm. Like, um, that, would, that would certainly... Like, water, cool water is important, but... Freezing, freezing water. There's a danger that some some individuals mightn't drink, you know. And obviously, if they don't drink, then dehydration and heat stroke become an issue, you know. Now, what when you bring them out, bring them to a field for a run or a beach for a run? Yeah. There are other hazards out there we mightn't see. Absolutely. So, let's say you're you're first of all when you take them out for a walk probably do it at either side of the day you know just like our look look it's all common sense so everything that's that goes on with ourselves as regards i suppose um going out in the middle of the day you know we're always told avoid sun in the mid between 12 and 2 and things like that it's the same with walking your dog do it early in the early in the morning i was coming in this morning and there was a there was a man over here in Clashdove Park and he was walking his dog, which was nice and cool. And you know he does it early in the morning, like you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the dog was an older dog, um, and you know he, in fairness to him, he understands that the, the the colder morning is better for an older dog, which is a little bit under pressure, like you know. But in general, then walking your dog, um, be careful of tarmac. You know, mm. we've had you know a really scorching day. That tar is going to melt. You don't want to be walking your dog on melting tar. Then you're going to have issues with burnt pads and things like that. Because we know? forget that the pads in their feet, that's bare skin. Absolutely. Well, it is keratinized skin, which is a bit thickened. Yeah. But I suppose, again, going back to, the, to COVID and these COVID pets, uh, we are seeing, uh, like, when we examine the pads of dogs, I've seen it so many times recently where the pads are actually after getting thin because, you know, we're all walking our dogs more now, you know, on hard surfaces. So just be careful of that as well, overwalking. Um, but if you have a thinner pad and then you're walking them on, on melting um, tar, you know, it's a recipe for disaster. Well, then, well, try, like, you know? try walking on melting tar in your own bare Absolutely. feet. Absolutely. Think find of your, your own self, you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it, um, and I suppose then, you know, your typical, you know, the, the beach is a minefield of, of little, little sharp mm. objects. And, and they love it. Like, you know, they love it. Absolutely. So, you know, 
not everybody is careful at getting rid of glass and things like that, you know, so we do see the odd dog coming in with pieces of glass here and there, you know, people are drinking or whatever, and they, they mightn't be careful to put the glass where it should go, so dogs come along and little walk their little pads and the, the sharp shards and get stuck in, you know, so... Where we, we do see an awful lot more of foreign bodies and pads, you know, in the summertime. Okay, so the general advice, I think, Michael, is just, just mind them the same way you'd mind yourself. Common sense. Like, what would you do yourself? You're not going to, well, again, you're not going to go out and take, well, mo- most people shouldn't go out and take your shirt off and expose your white skin unless it has protection, you know? Yes. Um, Again, the same way with, with, with dogs, and just brings us back, I forgot to say about the cat's ears. Um, we, we would certainly advise sunscreen at this time of the year, you know. Really? On um, a cat? Yeah, and like the, those white ears, you can get sunscreen. It's, 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 um, now, it should be a special sunscreen that's... You don't go putting the amber solaire like Yeah, that. like, you know, just check. There's, there's a few ingredients... Um, you know, zinc oxide would be one that would be in some sunscreens. You don't want pets licking that off, you know. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. you can get special sunscreen put on the tips of the ears and you can prevent problems later on. Right. Well, you, you, might, you might lose um, some, of the, some of the skin off your hand trying to put cream on a cat's ears, but it's worth the risk. You probably won't, like, you know. Really? No, they'll just do it gently and they're fine, you know. Okay. Most right. of them anyway, maybe... The odd fellow, of course, you know. You know your cat then, when you, see, you know what they'll accept. Absolutely, Dave has white ears now, my fella, and, you know... Dave. Dave, yeah, Dave, my cat. <laughs> so he, Dave, Dave I yeah. I love it, I love it. So yeah. he gets his little bit of sunscreen on the hot days, but in fairness to him, he, he likes his shade, so, you know, mm. he doesn't expose himself too much. All right, listen, Michael, thanks very much. That's Michael Ryan from Abbeville Veterinary Hospital. Just be careful of them. Keep... Bowls of water, like if you have a garden, put bowls of water out in the shade. Leave the water in the shade and make sure they have plenty to drink. I love that. Sunscreen on a cat's ears, but not one would think oxide in it. Don't let them get sunburned because they can. And when you take them to the beach, be very careful of what they can walk on. And if you're taking them for a walk, and imagine what it's like if you were out in your bare feet on a hot road. It's the very same for them because they're in their bare feet. I think that's gas. He has a cat called Dave. There is a cat in Douglas, or there was at least. I don't know if he's still alive. He was a big, huge, beautiful ginger cat called Brendan. <laughs> I'm serious. And there was a cat that the cattery that we go to, a lovely place out in Carrigadrohid called Happy Cats. Morning, Mel. The ladies will be with you sometime soon, I expect. Um, there, there was a cat there called Seamus. Any unusual, look, I'm going to throw this out because it's come in and it, it just, it's Dave. He's got a cat called Dave and I've met a cat called Brendan. I think George Patterson. Did George have a, a dog called Trevor? Anyone have dogs or cats with human names? Can anybody beat Dave or Brendan or Seamus? I've got a cat, I've a dog called Harry, but Harry is a kind of a doggy name. But, yeah. Of a cat called Zeus, you don't want to know. You don't want to know. Unusual cat and dog names. If you've got them, share them. At 083 396 96 96. We're lightening the mood a small bit, you know. Can we just talk? 
The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy-made premium spread, 100% natural, and made in Cork using West Cork cream. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. This summer, Cork Opera House launches its Carol O'Sullivan Associate Artist Program. There will be a series of outdoor operas inspired by the much-missed soprano, including Puccini's La Boheme, Verdi's La Traviata, and Mozart's Cozy Van Tutti. Access all areas. Rising Irish songwriter Alva Reddy has announced an intimate Cork show set to take place at Wintrop Avenue on November 21st. Tickets are on sale now from cypressavenue.ie. Access all areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a rescheduled show coming up or any live streaming events by emailing aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. Trying to organise your comments on COVID and vaccines and other things. It might take me a couple of efforts to clear them, but here we go. The way I look at it, I'm fully vaccinated. I waited my turn. I took whatever chances are associated with the jab for me and for society at large. It's inhuman to deny us any low-risk activities where there's no health risk. Also, any fool would have vaccinated the over 60s with Pfizer because that has a four-week gap. It can't be right to vaccinate those at highest risk with a system that prolongs their exposure. The restaurants should have been fighting then. In fact, we all should have been because this situation we're in was entirely predictable. John says regarding the issue of staff... Oh, come back to that. Uh, PJ, always listen and love the show. Uh, but I'm all getting seriously disappointed with the treatment of the government not to lose face that at the borders open so the Irish people are left to suffer continually with threatened lockdown. We're quite literally filling a bucket of water with a big hole in it. COVID has been continually imported since Carol. Carol, I totally agree with you. And I said it yesterday. They made a absolute bags of mandatory hotel quarantine. And we got all this BS about the border, the border, the border, or oh, you can't do anything with the border. They never even tried Never even looked at trying. We have a, an international committee. We have a, a 32 county international government committee. It's got a British Irish intergovernmental committee. Like, did that meet? Did that meet to um, North South government? Committee? Did that meet to see what we could do about the border? It didn't. It didn't. And, and they made a hames of it. Finbar, I really can't see where there's a debate. Can't we see Russia has the highest death rate in the pandemic in the past few weeks and they thought they were on top of it and they have a good vaccine. I'd love everything open. I'm going mad stuck without dining out because I like good food. But as Russia, the Seychelles and many other places prove, you can't trust a high rate of vaccination with this Delta. It has to be an overwhelming rate of vaccination. And in Canada, they're in serious trouble as well because the Delta or the, vac- the virus got ahead of the vaccination. Then Paul says, there are 117 deaths from Delta in the UK. 20 of the dead had the first vaccination. 50 were fully vaccinated and had been through the waiting period. Not rocket science to say the majority of those dying had been vaccinated. What's the explanation? I know you won't believe me, PJ, but I seriously worry that the vaccine itself is making people sick. That spike protein is what does the damage in the disease itself. Thanks for listening anyway. Well, there's no science there, Paul, none to suggest that the vaccine is making people sick. But I, I take your concern. And there was a lot at the start of the Delta of people who were double vaccinated getting sick. But there's no science there to support the idea. 
no independent science to support the idea that vaccines are making people sick. 1850-71599 says, I'll come back to those comments. Two in five workers, that's about 38 to 40%, also said that they have no clarity from their employers about work practices with a return to the workplace. As things stand, most people are expecting to return to their offices in some shape or form September, maybe October. Leo Bradker was suggesting August, but I reckon this one will put that on the back burner for a while. But a lot, no, an awful lot of people have no concept of how they're going to do it. Will they have to come in? Will they be allowed to hybrid work? What is happening? Orla Moran is General Manager of IrishJobs.ie. There is a lot of uncertainty out there, isn't there, Orla? Good morning. Hi, good morning, PJ. Yeah, there absolutely is. Uh, in Irish Jobs, we surveyed over 3,000 people. And um, so two-fifths of them, as you said, 38%, have yet to receive clarity from their employer in relation to post-COVID working practices. Um, so amongst those still awaiting clarity, 37% suggested that this was because their employers were still awaiting further guidance from public health authorities in relation to returning to the office protocols. Yeah. I suppose the uncertainty is to be is to be expected because no one really knows what is going to happen. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, uh, I do think, though, in the absence of clarity, it is having a, a, a negative impact um, on employees because 45% of those surveyed said that the lack of clarity made it difficult for them to plan ahead in their personal lives. Um, so if we look at kind of the, the three main areas where it's quite, causing quite a bit of, of, of um, uncertainty. and There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. A little bit of stress for, for employees. Um, the three areas would be... Um, the ability to secure mortgage appro- approval. And the other one is uh, the implications on uh, childminding arrangements. So we know in kind of normal normal times that it's it's quite stressful anyway, having to organise um, childcare, but not knowing um, when, you know, when, uh, when you're going to be working from home or when you might be in the office mm-hmm. is adding to people's stress levels. And then finally... Um, the other one that was called out in our survey was the implications that it's having for families who want to enrol their children in uh, in schools. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Did Did you get much of a sense or much of an appetite from your survey for hybrid working? Uh, no, we we didn't. Uh, no, the survey was very much around has your employer uh, informed you? Yes. 
um, of, of, uh, of, of their plans for the future of work. Uh, but um, I think very much, certainly I know in our own organisation, PJ, um, you'd have a very large cohort that wants some sort of flexibility. And I think that seems to be the, the, the preference for an awful lot of, of people is uh, they want they want some kind of a hybrid model. And so I think people probably are a little bit exhausted of working from home and they're missing, you know, they're missing their colleagues yes. um, and, and the social aspect of it. So I think every, not everybody, but I think the large proportion of, of employees do want some form of, uh, of, of flexibility when it comes to their future of work. Mm. If someone's applying for a job these days, are, are they looking at hybrid or is, is, is the offer of hybrid put on the table for them do you think? Yeah well I know on, on, uh, on Irish jobs we've seen a huge increase in the number of uh, opportunities that are advertised as uh, work from home um, so you know there's an awful lot of industry sectors where you can actually you know where particularly in the IT sector where um, where you would have had people working from home even before the the pandemic, but we've definitely seen a really big increase in work from home opportunities on the site. So um, I think that's a positive for anybody who's looking who's you know who's looking for uh, work from home as as a full time option. Okay, all right, leave it there, Orla. Thank you very much, Orla Moran, General Manager of IrishJobs.ie. A lot of people just simply don't know where their work is going for. Uh, the next while. We've been, well, I have been hybrid working in a manner of speaking since last March, April, and I love it. I do the second half of my day at home. I've got my little studio at home for recording interviews with people, and I love it. Uh, the thoughts of working a full day in here going forward actually doesn't suit me very much. I'd be in here in the morning, I'll see my colleagues, it's great, and then I get home and I finish my day at home and I can do all my stuff there. And I love it. And I can understand why a lot of people would like it. 1850 Opinion line on Cork's 96 FM. With Dairy Made Premium Spread, 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork Cream. Call us now, 1850 715 996. On Cork's 96 FM. <laughs> I'll get to them, but there's lots of people out there have pets with odd names or human names. The vet out in Abbeville, Mick, has a cat called Dave, and I thought there's Probably loads of other names like that out there. So there's a few coming in. 083 396 9696 on COVID. PJ, can you please find out the answer to this question? Why are staff who work in the NHS in the UK being allowed to come into Ireland without a PCR test and they're partying and drinking in pubs in Cork and West Cork at the weekend? Well, I would assume, caller or texter, that they are double vaccinated because an awful lot of the NHS staff are double vaccinated at this stage. And if someone is double vaccinated, they don't have a problem with them travelling here. If they're double vaccinated and have, have had their time, passed their time, as it were, since since the second dose, then I have no problem with anybody travelling anywhere, if that's the case. Shirley says, British GP Grand Prix at Silverstone will be full capacity in a few weeks' time, 140,000 people a day. I think Silverstone is a massive risk. Let us remind ourselves of what Dr John Campbell has been saying about the Euros 
in the context of that. Because of this Delta variant's transmissibility, I must say the Euros are really quite a big gamble that we're taking at the moment. And yesterday, watching Wimbledon, it was great to see crowds back at Wimbledon. But you're in the back of your mind going, is it safe? God, is it safe? On indoor dining, Tim says the issue is we're here because the Taoiseach and the Cabinet open for Christmas against advice. Were they to make a second similar error of judgment, they'd lack all credibility and all authority. Valerie says we should listen to Neffet. They are the experts. John says people can fly here from the 19th and indoor dining is closed. What a joke. It's time for Neffet to go. Life is for living. Why don't you have someone on who doesn't agree with Neffet. There's lots of people, John, who don't agree with Neffet. I don't think Liam Fanning, the professor from UCC, was entirely agreeing with Neffet either. Morning, PJ. We've come so far, I personally think we never have, we'll never have normal. For God's sake, listen to the people who make a lot of sense. We'll have normal, Burr. I have to keep telling people that. I have to keep telling myself that. We will have normal. There was only laugh, you laugh at this, Sitting out the back last night, having a coffee uh, on the deck and with some towels drying on the line. And one of them is a towel that we bought in Mallorca a few years ago. And I said to the Queen Bee, I said, Jesus, will we ever see the place again? And I then said, I, I nearly slapped myself across. Yes, we will. Yes, we absolutely will. But we need to wait. Crafty COVID, says Frank, knows the difference between a hotel restaurant or a normal one. Bound to end up in the High Court. Well, maybe it will, James. Frank, maybe it will. Craig says it was letting the 54,000 plus people into the country from the UK at Christmas cause the problems from January on. Stevens and Mallow, this is the last one for now. They're allowing international travel soon, but you can't go into an Irish pub because where we have low numbers. I think that's stupid. The government are having a laugh. I might have some faith. They thought they were doing the right thing. But this policy is complete bull. Neffet have a lot to answer for approving this. How do they come to decisions like this? I certainly feel safe in Ireland. Will be something at least if they allow dining for people vaccinated. But I think that would be very hard for the young people to see. I also think the vaccine campaign has been a complete shambles and we're paying the price of this now. Young people know the government is winging it and hasn't a clue. And they'll vote in Sinn Féin just to get revenge. Well, we'll see where it goes there. <laughs> Look at the Dublin by-election next week. That's looking like actually that the, the, the smart money is going on Ivana Badchik of the Labour Party in massive numbers in, in that Dublin uh, by-election. 1850-715-996. Are we going to... No, we're not. OK, we'll do the song first. Some of the names coming in for your pets are great. Absolutely great. Like, my cousin in Kildare has two cats. There's a Brendan and a Nula. Did anyone ever tell you... Grow up, will you? Ah, grow up. Well, sometimes, and people get terribly offended when you do, right? Um, sometimes you get offended by it, but like, how would you grow up? It's sometimes it's advice we all need to get because sometimes we do get stuck in a, in a mindset, and we we get stuck in a rut, and our thinking is off. And telling you to grow up, it's kind of a way of saying, well, would you ever just listen to another side of the argument or whatever? Psychologists call it gaining personal authority, which means taking charge of yourself and your health and your behavior by just taking a more broad approach. 
to things. I'm going to talk to a psychotherapist in just a sec. That line isn't released there for me yet, guys. I can't take it in. See where we go with it. Uh, 1850-7159. But has anyone ever told you to grow up? Would you get offended if someone told you, ah, would you grow up out of that? We shouldn't, should we? Jolanta O'Keefe is a psychotherapist. Jolanta, good morning. Uh, good morning to you, PJ. We shouldn't get offended if someone tells us, would you grow up? Uh, well, you see, if we get offended, that's pretty much the end of the conversation, isn't it? Like, we, we'll get defensive then, and we won't really talk about what the other person means. We are usually, when people say that, it, 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 they, they might mean it as offensive, but it would be good to just take a breath and slow down and say, what do you mean, you know? Because growing up is, is a process that... Uh, we should all be doing all our lives, you know. It's the wise people, really, that say they know that they know nothing because they just realize the extent of uh, things yeah. about which they have no idea, you know. Yeah. We, we tend to get stuck in, in thought processes. And it's good to think about things and then put the process aside. But we get stuck and we find ourselves behind the times. And in actual fact, our thought process is, is, is not appropriate. And then when someone says, how would you grow up? Things have changed. We can get offended by that. We can, we can. And, and you see, we, we like quick reactions. And, and uh, naturally, if we feel attacked, we'll, we'll jump to defend ourselves. And that can be fight or, or uh, flight, you know. But, but, but if we just welcome people with generosity and just a smile and just... just what do you mean? Yeah, Let's talk you, about yeah. growing up. Maybe maybe our relationship needs to grow up. Maybe we have some issue to discuss here, you know. Mm. Uh, and, and that can be, uh, you know, that, that, that can be like a springboard for, for wonderful things to happen in relationship, you know. Like like this can be crossroads. If someone tells you to grow up, but you, you won't go into argument, you'll just, slow down and see how are you with that person, what's the issue that you're disagreeing about and you know, it can lead to wonderful conversation, you know Because it doesn't necessarily mean that you're acting like a child, it means that maybe maybe you're in a thought process that isn't good for you Yeah, it may mean that and we are all very attached to our assumptions you know, so uh, I mean we can get defensive when someone challenges us but again, if we don't open up to to others, we, we are missing uh, the chance of connection, you know. And uh, like uh, we should be like what's helpful is to be open so that you look for inspirations and then you change your mind about ideas. You know, that, that that's that's mm. helpful because that's inspiring. What happens today is people are, uh, you know, friends and they connect on social media with other people who have the same ideas. So that's what le- leads yes. to radicalization then, you know? Yes. Uh, so you were talking about vaccinations before, and I really don't want to go there, but people who are against vaccines are friends with people who are against vaccines, so they get more and more radicalized, you know? And so, like, we, we stop the conversation, whereas if we stop for a second and think, usually within our family circles, there'll be people who disagree with us on topics. And yet we are still, we, we love them often. You know, it's not a, a deal breaker that someone yeah. thinks differently. 
you know so That's when an interesting can... point you raise and mm-hmm. let's not go down the vaccination route but we can, yeah. we can we can broaden it out Yolanta really in that and social media has has done this social media tends to take a decision almost mm-hmm. as, a, as a unit say Twitter or whatever will make its decision and then you say hang on I'm not so sure about that then they turn on you and that's a very unhealthy psychology well, we don't you accept know, another view. Yeah, that is, that is, I mean, very self-limiting. If we don't accept another view, we can never learn by self-definition. You know, if I'm just, if I close myself to what others are saying, I'm, I'm, I'm just missing so many points. Yeah. I think the, the point of growing up is constantly you know, being opened and looking for inspirations and, and, and let others challenge us. Yeah. And it doesn't mean if, if, if I hear someone with opponent views, it, it doesn't mean I agree with them. Yes. I'm just respecting the relationship, you know, enough to hear them. Why is it so important for them yeah. to do or not to do something? Where are they coming from? Yeah. You know, it's important. Uh, I'm not to, go- I'm, I may not necessarily agree with you, but let's at least have a conversation. Yeah, exactly. Respectful one and meaningful one. And I think, you know, when you when you watch societies polarize, you know, for and against on, on various issues, it's, it's just sad to see because uh, I think it's well known. We are wired for connection, you know, and, and we we feel best when we feel we belong. We we connect with people. So so cutting off people who have other views is just. It's just not healthy, you know? Mm. We, we tend to um, wait, I think you say a lot, on the consent of others rather than making our own adult choices. And when we talk about, say, personal responsibility in the midst of a pandemic, it's an interesting topic to pursue. Like, we know what's out there. We know what the rules are. We know what the restrictions are. We know what our status is. We have all of the information to make an adult decision, but some of us aren't very good at doing that. No, and here you see, again, like as kids in schools, I don't think we are encouraged to think for ourselves. You know, good kids are the ones who listen, who don't challenge, you know, and we we grow up this way and... You know, it's very hard to look for your own opinion. That as a therapist, I, I've certainly sat with many people who actually don't know how they feel about things yeah. or what they truly like, what their passions are, just because they've never had time to explore that. They were always told what to do, you know. Or is so there they, another side to that, Yolanta, in that they do know how they feel, but they're afraid to express it because of how it might be responded exactly. to? Exactly. Exactly. So it's just this uh, other sign of the uh, of the side of the same coin is, you know, we fit in rather than belong. So I can, you know, dress like you say I like the same things as you just so I, you know, fit into your circle. But but truly inside of me, I will not feel the belonging. I will be losing myself, in fact, you know. So the healthier way is to. The only way to belong is actually you need to belong to yourself first. So, you know, your values, that's the growing up, getting, you know, Mm. serious about yourself. And even if it means being on your own, you know, uh, Maya Angelou, I think she said that you, you can't belong anywhere unless you first belong to yourself. 
you know, so, so, so it might be frightening standing up on your own, but when you belong to yourself, you really belong everywhere else too, because you understand that people, even though they have other, you know, ideas, we are all people, you know, we, we, we are all, uh, you know, human beings just in this world looking for connection often, you know, mm-hmm. uh, lo- looking for belonging. Never, and never be afraid to be an independent thinker. Yes, yes, I, I would say that, you know, but it's so hard uh, to, to, to be this outstanding, you know, the, the one who says differently. You know, uh, I think the Judge uh, Roof um, in the United States, you know, uh, Ginsburg, who died last, uh, last year, you know, when she was uh, outnumbered by conservatives in the Supreme Court, mm. she made a point of making, you know, her thoughts known, she even though she off. was in minority. She didn't back off. She, she yeah. didn't, and and she, you know, in a way, was inspiring. Mm. And agree to many or disagree people with to, her, you had to listen yeah, to her. She wasn't, yeah, she wasn't going though, anywhere. Yeah. And she was in minority, but she made, you know, maybe, you know, it obviously sadly wasn't the time for her views, but, you know, she made these known. So, uh, that's that's inspiring and uh, you know it's hard to do it in our uh, you know circles here sometimes we might feel ashamed even that we think differently but if we open up with with uh, being generous to other people's views you know likely we'll spread that that it's okay to think differently in fact you know uh, this makes connections better because it's so much more interesting to talk to people who actually challenge your views, you I, know. I, I agree with you. Jalanta, thank you very much. A pleasure to have you on The Opinion. Jalanta O'Keefe, who is a psychotherapist, independent thinking, be the free thinker in the room. Be the one who says, actually, I don't agree with that. Actually, I'm not getting on that bus because I don't like it. Be that person. 1850-715-996. Corks 96 FM's free speaker frenzy. With Blackpool fully opened up. It's great to be back. See blackpool.ie. You want it? I never felt this good. Alright. We asked and you responded. In your vast numbers, just a couple more days to go on this. Let me go to Castle Redmond, Middleton, Quiva. Hello. Hello, Quiva Ryan. What are you up to this fine, beautiful, sunny morning? I'm I'm working from home this morning. Just uh, for the morning, though, so it's okay. I hope you <laughs> at least have a door or a window open. Oh, I do. <laughs> yeah. Are you in the kitchen? Can you see out into the sunshine? I can, yes. Yeah, no, it's beautiful. Isn't it gorgeous? Yeah. And yeah. Is, is yours the kind of work that you could maybe take out the back with a coffee? Um, yes, at times. I have three kids also in the house, so... <laughs> yeah. That, <laughs> that, that has that, to be has, done sometimes. Of course it does, of course it does. <laughs> Quiva, what words am I asking you to say? Uh, play Cork's nine, Cork 96 FM. Play Cork's 96 FM. You've got one of our free smart speakers. I'll put you back onto Terry there. We can get the rest of your details. Quiva Ryan, the paddocks in Castle Redmond in Middleton. Latest winner on free speaker frenzy with Blackpool. Fully opened up. It's great to be back. See blackpool.ie and stay listening to win only on Cork's 96 FM. Simon will have another speaker this afternoon and Lorraine this evening. And we'll have another one tomorrow. I love the dogs and cats names that are coming into us. My friend in London had a Labrador called Colin. <laughs> My daughter has two dogs, Coo Colin and Heidi. 
We had a dog called Heidi once. Eileen got a new cocker spaniel puppy and called him Charlie. Yeah, Charlie's a lovely, a lovely dog's name. My, my friend Nella has a, a dog called Chicken, and it's the cutest name. Um, funny dog's name. I remember from my childhood, <laughs> my neighbor's children called their two dogs handlebars and brakes. Kidding me. My daughter had a cat. The cat was called Susie. But when she took the cat to the vet, the vet said, a bad news, it's a boy. The daughter was inconsolable. What am I going to do? She was worried the cat wouldn't come to her when she called it because it was used to being called Susie. I played her the song A Boy Named Sue by Johnny Cash and she was delighted. The cat became known as a cat, <laughs> a cat called Sue. Our cat is George, a beautiful long-haired guy, a total character, says this message. I have a cat called Barbara Streisand. After six weeks, we realised Barbara was male. He's still called Barbara. <laughs> I love it. My cousin in Kildare, two cats, yeah, Brendan and Nula. I have a cat called Salah after Mo Salah, the Liverpool footballer. Hi PJ, I have a puppy I adopted last year. His name is Winston. My other dog, Benji, is a black and tan cavalier. So I have a Winston and a black and tan. <laughs> and my dog is Joe. This. There's loads of them, loads of, of great messages and great names for dogs. And keep them coming. Keep them coming. Uh, there was a we, an old teacher I had in school, Mr. Langford, and he had a dog, and the dog was called Dove. And I have a friend in Dublin, and her dog was called Muddy. Muddy. Uh, Mudra was the dog's name, but Muddy, it was shortened to. I still think it's hard to beat, though, a cat called Brendan. Although a cat cat called Barbara, a tomcat called Barbara is is definitely, um, that's definitely one of the best ones today. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy-made premium spread, 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork cream. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. We have a friend of a black cat called Beamish, says Kean. Another friend with a retriever called Hendrix. Guess all my friends are alcoholics. Siobhan says we have a cat called Oliver. Oliver Twist, to be exact. He was a little orphan. Bridget, we had a dog who lived to be 21. Oh, that's a great age in a dog. He was called Tusker after the lighthouse. Kevin says, I've heard this before, Kev. We had a dog called Woof Woof. I swear. Our smallest brother named him at the time. And as we were all young and foolish, we all allowed it to happen. We spent years looking for him around the place and going, Woof, woof! Woof, woof! People thought we were mad. They probably weren't wrong. Burr says my dog's name was Buster Murphy. That was his full title. Hey, Buster Murphy! <laughs> Very funny. Beat that. A dog with a surname. Buster Murphy. Delina had a cat called Michal. I love it. Went to the vet with me hall only to discover he was a she. That actually is quite common in cats. We had a cat at home long ago called Timmy. 
And when Timmy was seven or eight weeks old, we took Timmy to the vet for a checkup, and Timmy turned out to be a girl, so Timmy became Tibby there and then. Um, I had a Zoe, and, but Michal changed, never changed her name. When, <laughs> that's great. Maeve, I have a Zoe and a Kim, my dogs. Now I have Bailey and Garfield. It's a cat. 1850-715-996. Keep them coming because they're brilliant and they really are brightening up a dull old day. Well, a beautiful, bright and sunny day, but the news is dull. So cheer us up with names of cats, strange names of cats. Like, does anybody... Does any, our, our dogs, indeed. I'll tell you about our Zeus. We have a little cat, little black and white cat, called Zeus. And people wonder, what? Zeus. Now, it's a she and tends to be known as Zeusy the Pussy. But how the hell did you end up with a cat called Zeus? Well, when Zeus came into the hoose, see what I did there? My son got the opportunity to name Zeus. And at the time, he was into a load of different things. So Zeus was named Zeus Metanoid Harry Bongo. And he wanted us to call the cat all that name, Zeus Metanoid Harry Bongo. It got changed very quickly, but now the cat is Zeus. 1850-715-996. Staying with animals as we move on, because uh, we, we know that our listeners love their animals, as is proof of the number of people with strange names. But a sport that we discovered a number of years ago on this programme, we were completely knocked sideways by the popularity the much continuing popularity of pigeon racing in Cork. It's huge. Young and old people, kids as young as seven and eight with pigeons and racing them and preparing them for racing. The huge sport in Cork. And seeing the echo where members of the pigeon racing club in Cork disgusted and disappointed after one of their storage containers was destroyed by a fire on bonfire night. It is the Cork Harbour View Pigeon Club and John Paul Doherty is a member. John Paul, please tell me there were no birds in this container. Good morning. John Paul. Oh, that's McNugent. Hold on. John Paul is on the other line. John, please, John Paul, please tell me there were no birds in the container. No, no one. No, there was not, PJ. There was not. Um, unfortunately, bonfire night, what actually happens is that these little scumbags that's around the place do nothing but this misery around the place just decided to go and burn down the container belonged to us which is actually our clubhouse feature so so we have a second we have a second container which they broke into as well and they took a, a, a laptop belonged to us which is no good for them because it's only just for pigeon racing only they can do absolutely no good to anybody um, they decided to take the furniture over to the other container that we had that we sit down on the right while we were having beaten and decided to put a fire to, to burn the whole container to the ground. You know, so it's just... Yeah, I saw the pictures in the echo. The damage yeah, is terrible. Yeah, devastated. Oh, devastating, yeah, because we're only a small club, PG, and we're trying to survive and, you know, we're all hard-working people out there, all the members, and we just enjoy a bit of, bit of racing on the weekend to chill out. Yeah. And for someone to come along and do that, you know, it's just totally, totally disgraceful, you know? Yeah, yeah. You, you have to wonder, like, what gets into people that they will do that. I mean, they would have known. It, would, would there be signs up that this was your clubhouse? 
Uh, no, we haven't decided up PJ, but it's just, it's just, I suppose, it's just where they they feel comfortable to sit around. Like they go up to, you know, inside in, uh, football pitches where we have our containers, and it's just kind of they do go over the fences. And I suppose they just decided, why don't we just break into the the containers and see first of all what's in there, yeah. and second of all they decided to put a match to it, you know. But so they just. Um, you know, we're a small club, as I say, PJ, you yeah, know, and yeah. we haven't so many, fi- we haven't a lot of finance in our club, and just the members keep the club going, to be honest with you. And, yeah. you know, we have new members coming in every day. We do, actually, we, we get eight years of age to join the club only last week, with another six members last week. So that, That's something, John Paul, that I was very surprised about. It goes back a few years now, I'd say maybe 2015, 2016. We, we did yeah. an item here one morning on pigeon racing, and I kind of said, do people still do that? By God, they do. Oh my God! It is, is, is a good sport. It's a chilling old sport. I mean, if you're sitting out in the backyard on a Sunday or a Saturday, there was a race after a hard, a hard week's work. It's nice to sit down and look up at the sky, hoping that your people don't all the time come home, but hoping that they do come home. You know, it is a bit of excitement. You know, but it's after sitting back the club in a, yeah. in a big way now because we have no container to hold our stuff or all the baskets that we have for putting the pigeons into baskets were all burnt as well. Pigeons, you know, so there's a, bit, a lot of stuff burnt belong to. So where we go from here, I'm not quite sure. But I do know that the council have a meeting within the afternoon to to to, to decide what they're going to do with the finance that was issued to them for the, yeah. from the, the sporting board, and we're just hoping that the council's out there to listen in that they might support our uh, motion yeah. gone through today. Hopefully, that they'll finance the, the, the club towards the new container. You mentioned the bas- baskets, and they're a kind baskets. of a specialised kind of a basket, aren't they? You like they they are they are It's a, it's, it's a, they're, they're, we carry the, the, these baskets. The pigeons go into them. The pigeons go into them when they're travelling to go to a race. You know, so we we keep them in the container that they're burning down. So like these little scumbags must know what they see. You know, they know that they were being used, and. Getting back to this computer that we lost, we paid a, few, a good few hundred pounds for that, PJ, but like, that's no good to know. And so if there's anyone in our side, son bought a computer at home, it, it's no good to them because they can't use it. It's, it's only specifically for a pigeon racing club only, so there's no good to nobody. They might, mm. somebody might see it in the field or something, they might come on the station or contact me or whatever, and they might return to us, you know. Yeah, let's bring in, yeah. let's bring in uh, local councillor Mick Nugent of Sinn Féin. Mick, good morning. Like, this is, morning, this is desperate. I mean, little places like this, a little... So many happiness, so much happiness out of this, and so much crack and so much fun for very young people. Like John Paul said, the youngest member is only eight, and then this kind of scutting on a Saturday night. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And like I know a few lads um, in different clubs, and actually my neighbours there, Billy Mack, has just released pigeons there. You know, so I know uh, how much the sport means to. Um, for lads, like, you know, it's, I don't know, PJ, it's hard to put in words, really, I suppose, to discuss people would feel with it. Um, unfortunately, it follows a trend over the last couple of years where in that locality, other clubs, um, Cassidy and other clubs, even our own clubs in Vincent from time to time, has got, has been damaged by pure vandalism, really, like, you know, but, you no, know, I just gone, gone mad for the lads, like, you know, so anything we can do, um, we felt the Kenny Collins and no, Tommy Gould is going to even try and raise it um, at a national level as well. Is there any way we can support the lads? It's, the, it's the vandalism like. element of it is one, but how, like, how much would those containers cost to replace? How much would the baskets, say, cost to replace, John Paul? Well, the baskets wouldn't be very expensive. Like, the, the baskets wouldn't be uh, very expensive, PJ, but it's just that we have, we have a number of baskets. You know, we could have up to 30, we could have up to 30 or more baskets. I yes. suppose, you know, they wouldn't be too, they, they wouldn't be the expense. The expense really would be back in the, um, the like, the computer, which could be up to six or 700 euros. Like, yes. the, the and are you covered by insurance of any kind? 
no PSG unfortunately unfortunately we're not covered by insurance we wouldn't be kind of a big big outfit you know we wouldn't have the finance to cover it I suppose insurance I'm not quite sure what insurance but up around that area I'm not quite sure what insurance companies even take it on because as I say there's a lot of people you know gather around them for the, for, up around them areas you know in the fields and that doing all you know whatever they're up for drinking or whatever they do so I'm not yeah. quite sure what even insurance company would even take that on you know yeah. he's got a point there doesn't he Make you know there's so much vandalism going on look it's it's the pigeon club this week it's a soccer club the next week people digging up pitches and burning down nets and yeah, yeah. stealing footballs I, like we got a serious we got a serious vandalism problem no not just on the north side but we're talking about the north side today serious vandalism problem and look I describe this to the echo you know it's I suppose it's, you know, it's, it's an attack on community facilities is really what it is. Like, and I love, you know, kind of get into the mindset of whoever um, done it. Because, you know, we had a meeting with sports clubs a couple of years ago because all the clubs were, you know, getting damaged like this. Like, and um, we brought clubs together to see, can we, you know, what can we do about it? Um, so, look, as John Paul mentioned there, there is a meeting of the sports committee and council today. So, um, it's a late application, but look, we'll we'll make the case for the lads, and maybe they might put a GoFundMe together or something. We'll support them um, okay. as much as we can, uh, PJ, and hopefully the club can recover. Because you know, I know a couple of lads and Dinsons are involved as well in the pigeons, and mm. it means a lot. You know, as you said, PJ, you put your finger on it there. How popular it is probably not widely known, but it is quite popular. Yeah. And just be set back like this, you know, it's it's terrible, really. Like, yeah. all right, okay, leave it there. Uh, Mick uh, Mick Nugent, Councillor Mick Nugent of Sinn Fein, and John Paul Doherty from the Cork Harbour View Pigeon Racing Club, and devastated at the weekend at the burning down of their clubhouse for some little scumbags who decided to have fun with it on Bonfire Night. Oh, what is wrong? What is the matter? 185715996. Some news on Twitter from Adam Higgins, our friend in the Irish Sun, their political correspondent. Licensed Vintners Association, that's the mostly Dublin-based. See, there are two Vintners groups. There's the Vintners Federation, the VFI, and then there's the Licensed Vintners. They're mostly Dublin. They say the pubs will reject any move to separate customers into vaccinated and unvaccinated and the Restaurants Association has said the vaccinated customers only inside idea is flawed, unworkable and discriminatory. So it looks, according to Adam's tweet, like the Neffet proposal is a non-runner. To which one would have to say, well, they did it in Israel. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy-made premium spread, 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork cream. Cork's 96FM's free speaker frenzy. It's the final week to win. Play Cork's 96FM. We've got loads of cool new smart speakers to give away every day. Join Casey and Ross in the morning and stay with us all day long for your chance to win. Win. Listen for the cue to text or WhatsApp. If we call you back, repeat the phrase. Play Quartz 96 FM. To win a smart speaker. You want it? I never felt this good. Quartz 96 FM's free speaker frenzy. With Blackpool fully opened up. It's great to be back. See blackpool.ie. Hello? Hello? Stay listening to win and remember to say... 
96FM. There's an interesting one. The health secretary in the Scottish government has said that they are linking the surge in coronavirus cases in Scotland, at least partly linking it to football fans getting together to watch the Euros. So it does seem that there was a lot in what John Campbell was saying to me, or saying to Deutsche Welle last night, that the Euros are a huge gamble. 1850-715-996, a whole bunch more of your pet names coming up. But first of all, let's go to Bayveen. A 500-kilometre walk this weekend, is it, Bayveen? Good morning. Hi, PJ. Thank you so much for having us on. Um, I'm here with my brother Shane and sister Siobhan. Right. And you're walking from where to where? We're walking from Barra in West Cork up to Brittany in County Leitrim. Why Leitrim? Um, it was part of... I'll let Shane explain this part. He's a history buff in the family. Okay. Um... Yes. We're kind of tracing the steps of O'Sullivan Bear. Ah, uh, of course. After the Battle of Kinsale, uh, when the English army went and uh, sacked his castle in Castone Bear. Right. Uh, 1602, he started off from Glengariff Woods and marched uh, his clan all the way to Leitrim to, up to O'Neill and O'Donnell, yes. or O'Donnell and yeah. O'Rourke's castle there in Leitrim. Now but, that you remind um, me, there was a show about it. Aidan Dooley wrote a show about it. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but we're, we're doing this um, in memory of our dad, who died a couple of years ago. Okay. And, it, you know, in aid of, of Mary Mount Hospice, uh, like, dad was big into history and, and, you know, very proud of being in O'Sullivan and uh, the O'Sullivan Bear March was, you know, always a keen interest of his, like, yeah. so... Marymount Hospice, of course, uh, during the pandemic. Is, uh, well, they've lost, I suppose, so much in donations yes, in the last maybe. 15 months, as you'd know yourself, PJ, with the Radiothon, which yes. is brilliant. Um, so I suppose just to highlight their fantastic um, support to give to families and patients mm. through their um, condition and end of life, yeah. and also um, the community palliative care teams, which a lot of people might access um, yeah. as well and they may not um, need the full support of Marymount Hospice at the end so it's a fantastic cause and also a pancreatic cancer research fund as well. Yeah, okay and of course you, you're a nurse I think at CUH so you'd have a lot of linkage between CUH and Marymount Yeah, absolutely we would and I suppose just to give a shout out to everybody in CUH for all the amazing support um, that they've been giving me <laughs> Over the last uh, couple of months of training as well, it's been fantastic. And just, I suppose, the support we've already received from family, friends and even strangers has been amazing. Like we've been seeing in B&Bs along the way. Excellent. So how can people get involved and give you some support? Uh, if you follow us on Instagram, Vera uh, number 2, Vera 2 Brefney 21. Vera 2 Brefney 21. Okay. Yeah. On Instagram or Baven on Twitter. Or uh, myself on Twitter at OBEV. Spell that for me. O B E B H. O B E B H. Okay. Yep. And I suppose any donations would be very gratefully received on our I Donate page. Yeah. Mm. Well, you've a great few days for the walking at least. Do you know what? It's been absolutely amazing. And I suppose for anybody who wants to staycation, as we all have to at the moment, get out, get walking. The scenery is absolutely stunning. Okay. We're, we're still in Cork. We're about to head towards the Ballyhara Mountains at the moment. But we've gone through um, Beira, 
all the way up through um, Sleep Wales at Muscree, Gugambara, and just stunning. Get out there, get walking. It's fantastic. All right, Bevin, good luck to you and the rest of the family who are doing this in aid of Marymount and uh, other charities connected to Marymount. Uh, oh, Obev on Twitter. That's O-B-E-B-H on Twitter. Bera to Brefni 21 on Instagram. And we'll share the I donate. Loads more of your um, pet names coming in. And I'll get to them. A big bunch of them before we finish up today. Have to say the customary and occasional good morning to the boys and girls of the proc. There's a kind of a campaign on the proc to, first of all, convince the world I come from Mayo, which I do not. Was born the Bonds, lads. And also to convince the world that I'm some kind of a Sinn Féin supporter, which I've always said I would not vote for any party that would be stupid enough to have me as a member or a supporter. So there. And it wasn't a caller, it was a text that I read out. So generally some of the fellas on the proc tend to listen with one ear on me and the other ear stuck in their marmalade or something. But it's always lovely to have the bants with you, lads. 1850-715-996 remember on Friday I was talking to Decky about living with multiple sclerosis well Gillian is also living with multiple sclerosis and she's only 26 Decky's in his late 40s but Gillian's only 26 and I'll be talking to her next 1850-715-996 can we just talk the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Dairy Made Premium Spread, 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork Cream. Cork's 96FM. Just to say, Decky's story, which he told us on Friday of being diagnosed when he was around 46, 47. Um, and he told us how that's changed his life. Gillian, you were diagnosed at just 21. Good morning. Hi, PJ. Good morning. 21 years of age, diagnosed with MS. Yeah, I was 21, yeah. 21. So so what happened? How did you realise or first think, notice that something was wrong? I was actually going to a neurologist because I suffered for years with migraines. Right. And I went to the neurologist in May 2016. And it just so happened when I actually got the appointment, I couldn't feel all the right side of my body. Um, and I actually didn't think anything of it. It was just like a tingly feeling all down the right side of my body. So I said it to them. And was that the first time you'd experienced that? Yeah, it was the very first time, yeah. Right. So I said it to them and he actually got the head doctor in to see me because he said, that's not right. Mm. So the head doctor came in and they'd done all their, you know, the reflex um And sorry, Gillian, did you think that it was just a development of the migraine or something? Yeah, I actually thought it was just because of my headaches that all this was happening to me. Right, okay. Because when I first went in, he said, it's definitely migraines, we're going to treat you for migraines. And then I told him about the weakness in the right side. Okay. So the head doctor came in and he said, you'll have to go for an emergency MRI. He said, I think there's something else going on. Now, he never explained to me that it could have been multiple cirrhosis. He didn't say anything to me. So I got the appointment within the two weeks and he told me that if nothing shows up, I won't be called back, that I'll just be put on the medication for migraines. So I got the MRI done and within a week, I got a phone call to come back up. So I knew something was after showing up. Yes. 
and I went up and I was sitting in the waiting area and I actually looked up onto the wall and I seen a poster and on the poster it said multiple cirrhosis and I just sat there and I thought to myself, I bet you he's going to tell me that I have it. Now, there was only ever one person that I knew had MS and she was very bad with it. Mm -hmm. So it kind of frightened me. Yeah, it would do. And there you are, only 21 years of age. You know, that's not an age you, you expect to be diagnosed with something like this. No, definitely not. And they say you don't actually get diagnosed till after you're 30, usually. Yeah. So I went in and he sat me down and he said, something showed up in your brain scan. He said, you actually have something called multiple cirrhosis. I just knew it. When I seen that poster, I knew it and he confirmed it. And how do you react to news like that, Gillian? I bawled crying. I roared crying because I was thinking of the woman that I knew had it. Yeah. And I was thinking, what if I end up like that? I'll be able to have no kids. You know, I thought my whole life was ending. So... How did the conversation go from there? Obviously, you reacted and he had, was it kind of expecting the reaction, I suppose. So what did he say to you then? He said to me, he said, Julian, please stop crying. He said, there is so many medication out there nowadays for multiple cirrhosis. He said, I'm giving you 30 to 40 years, he said, before you'll ever need a stick for walking or you'll ever need a frame, he said. You have your whole life ahead of you. Well, that's good to hear. It is. It was very good to hear. And it, it actually gave me a bit of a relief. Yeah. So, you're 26 now, isn't it? I'm 26 now, and how yeah. are you? I'm, I'm actually very good. I'm on a treatment called Tysabri. It's an infusion every four weeks. Right. And I, I'm on that with nearly five years now. So and what does that do for you? Like, it's straight into the vein. The infusion is straight into the vein. And it, it just... Like, when I get the treatment... The first day, I'm very, very tired after it. Mm-hmm. But after a day, I'm flying around again. It's like I don't have multiple cirrhosis with it. Oh, really? Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. And is it the... Because when I was talking to the other chap, Decky, on Friday, he said that generally what they do is they try to find a form of medication that will stop it where it is. Yeah. And, and not let it get any worse. Is that where you are right now? At, at the very start, he wanted to put me on a tablet form, but I actually relapsed a week after I found out that I'd MS. I lost the sight in my right eye. Ooh. Yeah, I lost the full sight, so I had to put in be put into hospital for three days on steroids, mm-hmm. and eventually my sight did come back. Oh, thank goodness. So he called me back in. He said, we're going to quit the tablet form. He said, I'm going to put you straight onto infusions, and I'm on Tysabri now, and it's doing absolutely brilliant. Good. I have no fault with it. Good. And so do you have to go into a hospital for that and stuff? I have to go into the infusion unit in the CUH every four weeks, yeah. Okay. And is that a full day? No, it's only an hour infusion. Right, okay. And then you come out of that then and you'd be, what, you'd be fairly tired for the next day or two, would you? Yeah, I'd be very tired that day. Like, usually my infusion is around five o'clock. I leave it till the evening. So when I come home, then it's basically time for bed. By the time I get home, so I just sleep it off, and the, the following day I should be fine. Then after it. Right. Now you've two kids. Did, did did you have any kids when you diagnosed? No, I'd no kids. I got diagnosed in the June, and I started my Tysabri in the August of 2016, and I fell pregnant in the November 2016. Right, right, right. But they do say that if you're on infusions, that it actually helps you to get pregnant. Oh, really? 
Yeah, that's what they told me, yeah. Right, okay. You have a very positive attitude to it, and and it's great to hear you so cheery. I'm sure that there are times, Gillian, when it's tough. It is tough. Like, my main thing with, with multiple sclerosis is I suffer very, very bad with anxiety. Right. That's my main thing. But yeah. I am on, I'm on tablets. I'm on tablets for the anxiety, so they are helping me, you know? Yeah. yeah. I just go day by day. I don't think people should actually leave MS, you know, get to them, because you do have your whole life ahead of you. Yeah. You know, there is treatment out there for people. I know there's a lot more people out there that are worse than me, and they might have different stories, because not, not everyone with multiple cirrhosis is the same. Yeah. Everyone is different. But I, I'm never going to leave this disease fight me. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to fight fight the disease myself. Do, do you feel right now, Gillian, like you're in control of it? I am. Like, I do have severe pain in my back at the moment and I'm awaiting an appointment to see my neurologist. But I'm not going to let that destroy me. Right. And do you think that that pain is connected to the MS or what? Yeah, I do, because it's travelling down the right side of my leg and that's where all the lesions are on my brain, is on the right side. Right. Right, but you just get on with it. You don't you don't sit around worrying about that. You just get on with things. I don't think I can sit around anyway, PJ. When I have two kids, I can't sit around. There is that. <laughs> there is. How old are they? And Dara will be four next month and Abby will be two in October. Yeah, yeah. There's barely time to go to the toilet with that. <laughs> you're bringing them with you. <laughs> <laughs> but you're you're really optimistic and that's lovely to hear. It, it, do you know what? I was listening to your show, I don't know, was it a year or two ago, and you were speaking to a woman, and I remember her husband had DMS, and he actually committed suicide over it. And since hearing that story, it actually broke me. Because to feel that he thought that that was the only way out, because he had multiple cirrhosis, that's a horrible way to feel. Yeah. You know, I'm broken for that family. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I'm definitely not going to leave it. Leave it affect me. I can tell you. <laughs> Good. And I so, and I think MS Ireland have counselling available for when it does get tough. And I know there's there's counselling there too, isn't there? There is. And my neuro, my neurologist in CUH, um, Dr. Simon Cronin, he can set up as well. He taught me for counselling. They have their own counselling person in the CUH. And if I ever need them, that I can ring them. But I do have two MS nurses. I have their personal numbers that I can ring if I ever need them as well. Mm. Do you mind my asking you this question, Dylan? Were you as uh, treated as a priority for vaccination? I was. I have both vaccines done, yeah. All right, good for you. Good yeah, tangle looks. All right. Well, look, I wish you well. I wish you success. And um, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a disease that I think the whole family has to live with. Obviously, your kids don't know anything about it, but... But you've another half in the world, haven't you? Yeah, literally, like, you know, I'll tell my kids in time to come. When they're old enough to understand it, I'll tell my kids that I'm going to be sick for the rest of my life. There's no cure there. But I will do absolutely anything I can for my children. Yeah, OK. Yeah. All right. Gillian, thank you very much. That's Gillian Cunningham. She has uh, MS. She heard a story on the show last week, uh, Decky's story, and she picked up the phone and wanted to share her story. And we're always here for your story. It's as easy as that. So anything you hear, pick up the phone and we'll give you somewhere to tell your story because everyone's got a story. 1850-715-996. There's a tweet 
that I have seen, and I'm going to wait to finish out the day with it because it kind of caps all of the comment that's going on on social media. But let us go back to let us go back to the pets because um, I just threw this out for what it was worth after talking to Mick the vet from Abbeville, and he mentioned his cat called Dave. And I love cats with or animals with strange names. Marion says, my granny had a cat called Tricky Woo. And when it died, <laughs> when it died, she got another cat. And it was called Tricky Woo 2. Tricky Woo 2. Yeah, I did read that one. Bridget, I have a cat. We call her the lap dancer because of the way she stretches her paws. Okay. Marion. I had a beautiful dog called Ralph the Rover. Two cats, one called Snowflake, Sunshine, and the other was Callie Agatha. Talk about posh names. Ralph the Rover was the dog. Snowflake, Sunshine was the cat. And Callie Agatha. I love it. They're all gone now. But the pure joy they gave us over the years was wonderful. I miss them still. Ah, Marion, the joy of a pet. Yeah, there's nothing like it. We had a Yorkshire Terrier called Epi. After the character in the book on the leaving cert. Oh, I hated that book. I bloody hated Silas Marner. But I do remember Epi. We had a Yorkshire Terrier called Epi. We have a friend in the south side with a dog called PJ. <laughs> and I don't know how you feel about this, but it's named after you. Okay. <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment. My sister's cats are called Roger, Lola, Riley, Sable, Raven, Bertie, Finn, and JJ. What? One, two, three, four, five. My God. Roger, Lola, Riley, Sable, Raven, Bertie, Finn, and JJ. Seven cats in the one house. PJ, when I was a kid, our cat was called Pee Wee, says John Ryan. Noreen, I named my first cat PJ after a college student who could never shut up. Oh, thank you. Uh, my cat was the same many years ago. Tommy the Scouser. Oh, that's Tommy the Scouser. Right, thank you. I have a rescue greyhound called Mildred and another rescue called Millie. And my first dog was Cunus. It suited her perfectly. I adopted two pu- Oh, I love this one. I adopted two puppies last year. And their names are Captain and Morgan. Kit says our cat is called Multi. She arrived at our door as a stray and with her lovely mixed colouring, which is called her multi. I have a Springer Spaniel dog called Jerry. So he's Jerry Springer. My friend has a cat called Catty Barry. Yeah. Pets names can get you into trouble sometimes. My, my sister-in-law had a rabbit called Kevin, which I thought was the crazy name for a rabbit. Um, but the best thing, I someone asked me one time, um... What would you call a pet rabbit? And, okay, if I had a pet rabbit, and this is probably why I don't have a pet rabbit, well, the fact that I have two dogs and two cats, the pet rabbit wouldn't last long, but if I had a pet rabbit, I would call him Stew. Another call about multiple sclerosis, PG. I have MS too, I'm on Tysabri, but the Mercy's neurology department is almost gone. We can't go there if we're in trouble. COH is full and is not taking on more patients. I can't take a call as I'm going off on holiday now. Well, you know what? Enjoy your holiday. And maybe when you come back, if you want to talk, we'll still be here.
<laughs> okay. I'm going to put this one out here for what it's worth. Um, it's been sitting on my screen for a while and I'm wondering, okay. Um, I grind my teeth at night. No dentist seems to take it seriously. I only recently discovered that you can get Botox injections for this. Is this done in Cork? Because no one ever offered it to me. Can you ask your listeners? Did anyone ever hear of getting Botox to stop you grinding your teeth? Okay, for what it's worth. More pet names still. Oh, yeah. the um, well, Let's get back to the Neffet because Joe is going to talk to me. He's the last caller today. Uh, Maybe we should have bars for vaccinated people and bars for unvaccinated people. Problem there is community spread. You couldn't you couldn't rely on it. There's a couple more. When someone... Uh, where am I going? Where am I going? Yeah, at restaurants, says Gary, just open up. Because there'll be another delay in a few weeks' time. And there'll be another lockdown come autumn and winter. Government don't care about you. And the sooner you realise that, the better for everyone. Well, Gary, this idea that everyone just opens up uh, contrary to regulations on the 5th of July. And my friend in Kerry, Paul Trevode, has been threatening to do that. See, the big problem is this. Any restaurant that has a liquor license, even a wine license, but particularly a total liquor license, any restaurant that's got a liquor license, have to go into the court once a year to get that liquor license renewed. Or even a pub, an ordinary pub that doesn't do food, has to go into the court to get its liquor license renewed once a year. And nothing might happen if you open on the 5th of July. That's absolutely true. Nothing might happen. But if you then have to go into court in September, October for your liquor license, the local superintendent could well say to the judge, well, judge, unfortunately now I have to bring it to the attention of the court that that pub was opened contrary to public health restrictions on the 5th of July. You can whistle Dixie for your license. There is the problem that anyone threatening to do that on the 5th of July is facing. Now, Joe, you want to make, make the point to me that the young people will never go back into the pubs again anyway. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Was that what you wanted to say? Yeah, well, just an observation I made um, at, the, at the weekend. I was staying in a hotel in Dublin and with around half past nine while the Italy-Austria game was on TV in the pub, You'd imagine that anybody, you know, given what's gone on over the last year, would have enjoyed having a pint in, in the hotel bar and, and taking in the game as well. And yet I saw swarms of young people who were staying in the hotel uh, arriving in around nine o'clock with bags of uh, alcohol from off licenses. And practically none of them uh, took advantage of the opportunity of having a pint in the confines of the hotel. They were heading straight up to their rooms in big groups. And I gather maybe up to six and eight were staying in, in rooms in the hotel and they were, you know, utilising the rooms to have their drinks. It probably worked out a lot cheaper for them. But it, maybe it, it, it's a trend that we'll see going forward that young people won't utilise the, the traditional pub concept when eventually we return to reopening of pubs. Yeah. You reckon that the, the, the drink is too dear and they realise it or the, and they'll just buy their own? It's probably always been that way. Students, uh, you know, Cork being a student city, traditionally pre-COVID, the, the two student nights would have been Tuesday night and Thursday night. And most of them don't hit town till late. They they indulge in what they call pre-drinks uh, back in their houses um, be- before they go out. 
So uh, the pub had been losing out to younger people maybe for a while pre-COVID, but maybe, uh, you know, COVID and the advent of COVID has seen the death knell for how young people's behavioural traits uh, towards uh, the traditional pub night out. Uh, so then that generation may be lost to the the way we would have behaved, going in having a couple of sociable drinks in a pub. It had been very evident for the last few weeks anyway in Cork that the, even when the outdoor drinking came in, there were still long queues outside off-licences and you know, young people were still continuing to take advantage of, of the cheaper drink on offer from those outlets. Yeah, yeah. Of course, on the continent, as it were, there's a lot more liberal attitude to outdoor drinking than it is here weather-based most of the time and they also have a lot of police presence so you don't get any messing when people are drinking out in the street. Do you think we could be headed that way? We had a bit an awful lot of messing when it started first but we could be headed into a more continental style where people would buy their own drink and head off to the park or down to the beach or what? Yeah, it's, it's, as you say, it's well policed on the continent and seems to work particularly well there. It would be disappointing if we did lose, you know, the traditional concept of meeting up and socialising in the pub, but maybe the times are, are changing and maybe that's the direction we're headed in. And uh, it would be disappointing. I'd be a traditionalist, but, you know, the time moves quickly and uh, maybe people mm. people have learned how to readjust their behavioural traits mm. uh, over the last couple of months. And, and young people, it's very, very evident that they seem quite happier now, you know, either drinking outdoors or else maybe booking hotel rooms in groups and enjoying a night in there in the comfort of a hotel and you know rather than queuing up to try and get a, an outdoor table it's interesting it's interesting indeed thank you joe for that 1850715996 if you'd like to follow on from anything that joe is thinking and look there's going to be more about this tomorrow when we have the certainty from the government as to what they're going to do sandra i'll read that one next the last a couple of comments I want to read. Ken Curtin, who would be a bit of a political activist and commentator, has said on Twitter this morning, and it's it's hard to disagree with this. He said, thank you, Joe. He said, Neffet says something we agree with. Oh, we need to listen to the experts and follow their advice. Neffet says something we disagree with. Oh, what the hell do they know? Isn't this a fairly accurate summary of the commentary up to this point? The man's not far wrong. Sandra says, my pet names, I've two Chihuahuas, Bentley and Mercedes, three toy poodles, Meg and Taz and Suki, and three horses, Prada, Blaze and Mr. Bubbles. And I hope you have a good selection of poo bags for all of those. Thank you, Sandra. (laughs) And that's it. The programme edited by Terry Brennan, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. See you tomorrow, just after nine. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy-made premium spread, 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork cream. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.